Podcasters, welcome to the LodgeCast, the official podcast of Gentleman'sAvenue.com. I'm your host, Mr. M. This is being recorded at the Lodge in Whittier, California. We're on the 13th floor of the penthouse. That's right, we took over the whole damn floor where we're here recording this episode. You're tuned in to episode 15. We have a great guest in store for you. We have the Voodoo Barber, Mitch Wilson. He's here today, so you're going to want to stay tuned for that interview coming up shortly. Today is June 26, 2017. You can find us on our website, gentlemansavenue.com forward slash the LodgeCast. On social media, you can find us on Instagram at LodgeCast and on Twitter at the LodgeCast. Don't forget, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Blurberry. So not only do we have the podcast, which is the audio only portion of this, but we also have a vodcast. The vodcast is the video. So today, you know, whatever images or videos I'll be referencing, you could see that on the vodcast and you can either stream it, you can download it to your device and you can have it there for all time. Okay. So this episode is sponsored by our house brand, Old Duck Grooming. So I'm going to be playing a video and I'll be right back. Check it out. I spent hundreds of hours researching all natural ingredients and discovered for thousands of years they have been used for medicine and grooming. I also researched and found the highest quality ingredients to produce an all natural, zero toxin, no chemical shave cream. My product was not developed in a laboratory or by some machine. It was developed with passion, innovation, and creativity. My product not only promotes healing, but also revitalization. The days of needing shave oil, shave cream, aftershave, and moisturizing lotion for your face are gone. Our product is an all-in-one. We sent our product to barbers from around the world and nobody has ever seen a shave cream perform and provide the nourishment and revitalization as ours does. There is nothing on the market like it today. Shaving is the most traumatic act that you can do in grooming. And that is why our product promotes healing and revitalization. Old Duck Grooming is committed to the highest quality ingredients to produce the highest quality product. Check us out at oldduckltd.com. All right, now that we got that over with, uh, let me give you the latest and the greatest with Gentleman'sAvenue.com. Uh, just yesterday, uh, six twenty-five, I released the episode with Jacob Dominguez, uh, lowrider legend. It was just, it was such a great time. I mean, he came here with his family, uh, his son. They brought that forty convertible Chevy over. Uh, it was a great time. Matt Two Strikes, the camera operator here, he really took care of business and, you know, just really filmed this car, man, for what it what it is. You know, it's not only a, an amazing piece of automobile history, being that it's a 40 Chevy, 
but that a convertible at that, but also that it was, you know, from the Dukes. It was from uh, Julio Ruelas. I mean, this is like Dukes car club history. And so to have that there here in our, at our at on set was just phenomenal, you know, and, and to interview Jacob to talk about low riding, to talk about car culture, to talk about, you know, just everything that's happened in the history of low riding. But then, you know, what's happening today and yesterday, I know they did really well at the uh, Long Beach um, Bombs Super Show they had there at the convention center. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't go. Matter of fact, it's kind of crazy when you think about it because Jacob Dominguez, who's been on our podcast, was there with the car club. And Willie G, little Willie G, uh, sang, and he's been here. And he's, not only did he was here on our first podcast episode, but he also performed with the Hurricanes. And another guest of ours performed there also, the Wise Guys, the Wise Guys Big Band Machine. They performed. So it was pretty cool to have a lot of people that have gone through our doors uh, appear there at the Super Show. So also our next episode that will be dropping this coming Sunday is the episode with Ruby Champagne, Uh, you know, an awesome, sweet girl and just an amazing entrepreneur and just somebody who's really, you know, not only has she brought this, you know, revived sense to burlesque and this kind of like, you know, sassiness, but also class to her, you know, her her art form, uh, which is burlesque and pin up and you know she also has retro rivera so uh, i hope you guys look forward to that episode that'll be coming out but by the time this airs it'll already be out so make sure you go back and double check that so that that's that that's the latest and the greatest so let me invite mitch on over onto the set and we'll have him interview hey mitch how's it going Hey, what's happening, man? Man, it's good to see you, yeah, man. Great to be here. Thanks no, a lot. Thanks for having me. Oh man, it's uh, it's it's kind of a warm day outside, right? It is, yeah, man. It's definitely uh, California summer starting to shape <laughs> up here, which is awesome. Yeah, and I think today was at the beginning of a cool down. They say, oh, <laughs> I'm like they toying with my emotions, or I think so. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, yeah. You know, I'm in I'm in San Pedro, um, mm-hmm. is where I live, and so I always get like a nice coastal breeze, but. As soon as I move like twenty minutes away from there, it's like man, it's cooking. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Oh yeah, so you're 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 yeah, you get that nice. Probably what ten, maybe ten degrees cooler. It does get ten degrees cooler than yeah. where I'm Whittier. Yeah, it can. Yeah, and I just get that breeze yeah. in there. It's nice. And then of course, being on the thirteenth floor of the Whittier's tallest the building, penthouse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We get all the the heat rises to that's the it. That's it. It's cooking. <laughs> so we have Mitch Wilson here, the voodoo barber, right? Yeah. Uh, how did you get started into barbering? Well, you know, I mean, I was uh, I was a musician. Um, you know, I, I picked up a guitar when I was eight years old, and and you know, so my endeavors in life as a child was always um, punk rock and and you know, kind of that alternative music scene. Um, and you know, in through that journey, you know, it was always we were cutting each other's hair, mm-hmm. you know, so um, you know, giving each other mohawks and you know, as exaggerated haircuts as possible, and. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I actually stole my first pair of clippers uh, from the mall, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I was, you know, I was cutting all my buddies' hair, and um, so that's really where it kind of started. Was you know in the punk scene, and um, you know when I turned eighteen, um, you know I was like, my mom was like, either you know, either go to school or you get out, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and um, so 
you know, hair school kind of made sense at the time because, um, you know, I had, a, I had another punk rock buddy that mm-hmm. was into it. And, you know, he said, hey, man, you know, we learned how to use our, our you know, our, our clippers and our shears. We can do awesome hair mm-hmm. and still be in our bands, you yeah. know, give us something to do, you know, kind of in the meantime. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's where it really started. And um, but I, I became pretty passionate about it and um, I got into education um, with it because I felt like that was kind of, um, you know, really inspiring and it was a catalyst to mm-hmm. growth and, and making more money and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, so I, I just took a kind of an educational journey and, um, and you know, I worked with uh, several different brands mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and led a legacy kind of through that. I mean, at one point I found myself in Australia where I was an um, education director mm-hmm. and uh, for five years and, and did some things that way with hair. Um, but, you know, with barbering, it really was, you know, um, something that, you know, like in the 90s, it was it was a bad word almost, you mm-hmm. know, it was like something that, uh, you know, if you were a barber, you were making up other professions for when you were trying to get dates type mm-hmm. of thing, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, it really needed this new breath of, of revival in life. And so, you know, I mean, it's one thing for, you know, counterculture to welcome it in and bring mm-hmm. it in and you know and it's cool for you to have a, a you know a retro uh pompadour something like that yeah. you know but you know it, it also is an industry that's defining individuality mm-hmm. um in a lot of ways you know i mean it makes or breaks your your love life your job mm-hmm. relationship a lot of different elements to it and a lot of barbers don't look at their profession from that perspective you mm-hmm. know they kind of look at it like they're a grooming maintenance person and um so you know the voodoo barber and and you know education is to really um to you know try to uplift the barber in general um and and remind them that when they take into consideration you know their patron's hair you know texture and and their their head shape and all the different details you know i mean Mm -hmm. that guy's got you know three four rolls on the back of their neck you gotta yeah sharp pay the sharp pay neck right you know it you know and (laughs) and and, and you've got to dial that dude in and make him feel like like you know proper gentleman when he leaves the shop Mm -hmm. but yet we're afraid to charge more than we did in the 80s a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and you know so you know the education that we're we're trying to bring is twofold you know it's one is um is to you know remind the barber that he he walks uh, a professional line that goes all the way back to ancient egypt Mm -hmm. and in society has always held an esteemed place you know Mm -hmm. whether it was when we were barber surgeons or you know whenever you know it's to remind the barber to that it's not a grunge job you know and um you know i mean I, i just did a major show in new york not too long ago and um you know i mean we were going on after a crew and I'm, you know, I'm not going to say names or call out barbers for what they do. You know, I, I respect them all, but you know, I got guys up there and their, their, their sweats and their socks, <laughs> uh, you know, and their thongs up, you know, cutting hair on stage in front of 3,000 yeah. 3, people, you know, 3,000 barbers that came to get something mm-hmm. uh, tangible to take yeah. back to their barber shop the next day. Um, so our my whole thing, my whole message, you know, and and you know, and I know you know I've been with certain brands and things like that, but my whole message is that it, it, you know you want to be considered a professional. You want society to look at you like you're worth you know fifty bucks for a haircut or whatever it might be. 
then you've got to be that professional. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, you got to suit up, put on your tie, look sharp, you know. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong; you don't have to put on a tie. You have to look sharp and be a professional. And, you, have, and, you have to, you have to look at least that you're able to provide a quality service. That's it, right? And I, I think uh, when I did the the documentary "120 Years of Barbering," yeah, um, and you know, there's 89 year old Frank Chavez, you know, and he's and, he, and at one point I love this quote because he says, you know. If somebody goes, walks into a shop and they see you looking like a slob, they're not going to want you to do, they're not going to, they're not going to feel that you can provide the service to make them feel good. Yeah. Right. Because that's what barbering does in the end. Absolutely. You know, it's such a, a, you know, communal community Mm -hmm. kind of vibe. And, you know, when ever, every single time I've gotten up out of that barber chair, I mean, of course, there's been a couple of bad haircuts, but, you know, (laughs) 90% of them, um, you you feel a a certain element of pride about Mm -hmm. yourself, a certain element of self-esteem. That energy is, you know, it's the barber's responsibility. And so, you know, I'm not saying you capitalize on it or anything like that, but you need to also kind of pave a path so that you can purvey that. You know, yeah. that sentiment and, and that cornerstone of the community kind of vibe, um, you know, and and so, you know, that's that that's the message is really it's it's it's, you know, you're walking a tall, uh, you know, proud position in, as a barber because you're you're investing in society that they're mm-hmm. going to, you know, that, that they're going to look that much better. And then, you know, the other thing is, is that you're, you know. There's an art form to it. You know, there's an element of geometry in there, you know, and there's an art form to it. And I know we don't like to dig down into the science elements yeah. of of barbering, but if we did, because, you know, it's inherent. And, you know, and in, in, in my journeys, I, I studied a lot of our, our barbering forefathers, mm-hmm. you know, A.B. Moeller and, you know, uh, L. Sherman Trustee, these guys that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of defined barbering American, you know, the way that it is now. And, um, you know, in there, the the way that they approached the education for it, you know, um, was something that, that I feel like has been lost. I mean, there's a couple of guys out there doing it. Yeah. Majority of education in barbering today is, you know, um, I'm doing it my way. Let me show you how. Yeah. Versus an articulate fundamental system, mm-hmm. you know, and if you go into some of those, you know, fundamentals of barbering books from you know 1920s or whatever the information is there in a you know step-by-step kind of you learn so, your so what you did was you, you look back at these old like barber manuals right absolutely and you picked up and you you've you've adapted them to ways that you feel barbers can learn today modern you know and the thing is is you know all of them start you with your shears and mm-hmm. we become such clipper you know <laughs> yeah. addicts and and exactly. that's the number one focus for barbers is like how good are you with your your fade well you know realistically you you first had to learn how to taper mm-hmm. uh with, with your shears um you know and then hand clippers were invented and electric clippers etc yeah. but you know so the way i look at it is we're we're removing material to create a shape so it's almost mm. like you're sculpting you know whether yeah. you're using your clipper your shear your razor whatever it is you you're you know th- that's what you're really doing is you're mm. creating a shape around a face that then that person feels strong about who they are with mm. right so you know you you if you look at it from that position and you don't 
treat it like you're a drive-by service. You know, mm-hmm. you're a grooming maintenance guy. The you know the chop shop. Yeah. The chop shop. The you know you never offer him anything different. You know, it's like you assume that you know his haircut in and out. And, and you know, reality is times change, and the way that people are affected by media is different now too. So you know whether that little boy is seen. You know, uh, like yesterday I did a haircut on a, a little lad, and he uh, brought me a picture of a YouTuber, and that's mm-hmm. his thing. He started his own YouTube channel. He's eight years old, and he's got his own YouTube channel, and he's influenced now by the YouTube community, and he mm-hmm. wants to look like this English YouTuber. And so I'm like, man, the way that you know, so yeah. this little guy, if I if I showed him you know a haircut chart and said to him, hey, here's your options, he's gonna be like, dad, I gotta go. You know, we got to go somewhere else. We got to go to the, you know, whatever. And so for me, the barber needs to understand, you know, that he's got to have a variable and approach each each client, each patron as an individual. And um, and if you do that, then, we're you know, we, we might start be looked at as like, you know, more like we're, um, you know, I. I don't ever look at it like we're, we're fashion designers or something like that. It's not that sort of thing. It's but it, you know, when you look sharp, you're you feel your best. So, mm-hmm. you know, you make them look good. You make them feel good. Um, at the end of the day, we, we deserve to earn a living for that. And, you know, there's 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 been studies by major universities. So it's not like, you know, University of Phoenix and God bless you if you go there. But major <laughs> universities that have shown that a person that's well groomed has more confidence and they tend to be more successful in life. That doesn't mean, you know, now you're going to go be a lawyer because, you know, you have the, the, the businessman haircut or something. But it just means that that part of you now feels good to maybe take make that choice to say, you know what, that girl, I'm going to go up or a guy or whatever. I'm going to go approach them now. And, you know, I like them. And now I feel and that radiates. It does. Right? People pay a shrink, you know, yeah. <laughs> whatever, a couple hundred dollars for a 45 minute hour. You know, it's funny you say that because there's, there's, uh, you know, there's psychology involved Mm -hmm. and, you know, realistically, when we look at somebody in the first three seconds that we look at them, we've taken into inventory their Mm -hmm. hair and it's an instinctual judgment and, you know, it goes all the way back to mating and all this kind of, you know, biological science. But realistically, that's how important it is, is we, Mm -hmm. we look at somebody and in the first three seconds, we've formed some sort of opinion you know and if you come in without your hair you know you, you've got no pomade in it you know just looks a mess that says something about mm-hmm. how much you cared about what you're there to do you know yeah. whatever it is you know and and i know we're in an era of you know guys showing up to board meetings you know however they want to you know looking like yeah. they're casual on their weekends but uh you know it, Times are changing mm-hmm. and people really, you know, are impressed when you look your best and, um, you know, you're more influential. You really are mm-hmm. when you're presenting or, you know, you're you're just having a, a business meeting, whatever it is. You've taken the time to get your details right. You've spent an extra 20, 30 minutes, whatever it is mm-hmm. to be, you know, the best you can be. Of course, you're going to be taken that much more credible. And so, you know, there is a psychology to it in romance. There's a psychology to it in science. And barbers don't always value what they do in that sort of way. And so our message is is more so to, you know, that inner city barber, that, that barber that's in that, that small town demographic mm-hmm. to, you know, yeah, you know what, I'm sorry, but. You should you should put on something besides your your you know your basketball shorts to come in and barber because yeah. so the guys are going to look at you that much more impressionable because you 
you know, whatever it is you put on, you took a little extra time. You know how many barbers I know that, you know, you look at their haircuts and you're going, dude, you're a barber. You're in the barber shop. Yeah. This should take you 20 minutes or 15 minutes to get your taper tidied up, yeah. you know, be presentable, you know. But do you think that it's maybe because, you know, social media is kind of that double edged sword it is. where it, it helps because it promotes, but then it also maybe also promotes negatively that people don't want to say, okay, you barber, whatever, you're a disgrace to the industry and the profession that's ancient as time. Yeah. Because you don't want to be that whatever hater. Yeah. Um, but I think barbering, from what I've learned, it's always had that competitive side. Sure. Just like a town blacksmith, right? Of course. You know, if, you, if you're a town blacksmith and they open up across the street, you're not going to go, hey, bro, blacksmith love, bro. You know? Uh, let's take pictures together. You're gonna be like, how do I undercut this fool over here? <laughs> how do right? I blow like, up his this? shop? Yeah, exactly. As a matter of fact, I love the story that that Fred, the 75 year old in the film, he says there was a guy, and it was in Orange County. I can't remember the guy's name right now. Back in the whatever 60s or 70s, he opened up the shop and he undercut. I mean, his price was like he like a couple dollars less. And so all the barbers got together and whatever in the community. And they approached him like, look, man, you know, you're like basically coming to chop shop. And the guy didn't listen. So lo and behold, his barbershop was blown up. I'm not encouraging people to do violence, but I'm, what I'm saying is, is you can, though, tell somebody in, if, if it's your profession, yeah. that you're, it's sacred. It is. That you could be like, you know, just like if you go to church or you, you go to your mom's house or something, and you respect her. You don't just walk in there cussing a storm, throwing shit around. You got to have some reverence. Yeah. And, and where, where does that line, how can somebody approach that line without, I guess, in modern terms, yeah. crossing it, hurting people's feelings, I guess. No, you know, I mean, that's a, it's, it's a real interesting, you know, point. I mean, here I am talking about, you know, guys in sweats and socks and whatever. When realistically, they're on stage cutting hair right before me. So there's a reason they're there, right? You know, and is it the followers? Well, this and this is the thing, though, is, you know, like each one of those, you know, each one of like the current presentations when you go to like a BarberCon or, you know, CT Barber Expo, or one of these, you know, um, shows, the message is, you know, you should be charging this. Well, you know, my message is a little bit different because I, I do agree that, you know, barbers do need to raise their mm -hmm. prices. When you look at the stylist, you know, and let's, you know, let's put a, a higher end or but more well-known like a Tony and Guy. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like a Tony and Guy salon in Newport Beach, the men's cuts start at 65 bucks. So $65, you go in there, you don't, you know, they don't know how to use their straight razor. They don't have any hot lather. There's or, no, they, or they can't. If they're not barbers right in California. Yeah, they can't. You use, cannot use a straight razor. They can't right? use a straight razor. Much less have a barber pole, right? Right. Or, you know, hot lather, mm -hmm. hot towels. I mean, every one of my patrons gets the massage machine, mm -hmm. you know. And so the experience, and, and whether it's a, a scotch or, you know, paps or whatever, the, mm -hmm. the barber experience is, is, is to me, you're adding at least four different elements that you're not getting in the salon experience, mm -hmm. but yet we're charging half or a third of what they're they're charging. Because where, where do you cut out? Um, well, right now I'm, I'm I'm just cutting in my own barber shop, okay. which is uh, the subterranean barber shop in San Pedro. So, okay. um, but you know, I, I was working at American Barber Shop in Santa Ana, mm -hmm. um, and and so the thing about 
you know, that, that whole element about, you know, and I don't charge, forgive me. I mean, I'm over here preaching, but there's a certain ceiling that we're at night. So I don't charge 65 or, you know, and yeah, I go the full entire experience for every patron is the way I look at it. Um, you know, not, there's not a, one of my patrons that doesn't have a straight razored outline. That's what being a barber really is in here, yeah. you know? Right. So, you know, and every single one of them tells me how much better, that experience is than when they went to a salon, you know, uh, because it's finished, you know, the outline's done right, you know, and they, they feel mm -hmm. finished whether they get their little splash of, of cologne and, yeah. and aftershave. So, you know, that's the thing is like, and, and we better be savvy, you guys and barbers are out there listening to me. You know, we, we've got to be ahead of the game because they, the stylists are running to add the things that we've got inherent to our business to their services. And, and you could see it because last year more crossovers graduated than barbers. You know what? I like that you said that because uh, I talked to a barber who was probably, I don't know, like 25 years in the industry and we were talking one day and we were talking about what's happening now in the industry. And he said, people don't realize cosmetologists and stylists are invading barbering. And I never thought about that. And then you bring it up, which mm. is a valid, valid point mm. that if if people truly hold their barber pole and their profession, if they call it a game or a hustle, that's a whole nother fucking can of worms. I don't even want to understand that. Yeah. But it, you know what I mean? It means like that's like pimping out your sister yeah. in a way. Yeah. Without defending her. Yeah. At what point? That's what I keep saying. It's like, at what point are people going to be like publicly? No, and maybe I maybe I lose that guy that comes every three or four months because he he's really not a loyal patron. But maybe I will charge the fifty or sixty dollars. Maybe I don't get ten clients, and I end up with four. Yeah. But I probably won't. You know what I mean? Will it balance out for the long haul? Because Fred, at seventy five years old, when he, in the eighties, I think he was charging twenty some dollars in his barbershop, mm -hmm. and he he knew. He told, he says this and, and I love it. And I, I really hope people watch this because these are the old timers that have seen it. They lived through the Beatles. They lived through the great, you know, Barber depression. Mm -hmm. And there was points in time where he knew as a businessman also, because you're a businessman. Sure. You're not just doing it for shits and kicks or because. <laughs> no, I've got a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> you've got mouths to feed and people <laughs> like it. eating and, and air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and lights and <laughs> <laughs> gas I mean, in your car and all I those mean, things, right? Unless you're one of those fortunate trust fund babies that have nothing else better to do and you don't care how much you charge. But I want to meet the barber that's the trust fund baby because I haven't well, met him yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> Most of us come from something a little yeah, bit more uh, exactly. blue collar. So Yeah, but you know what I mean? It's like at some point, where you you take that that step yeah. into the like you're saying perception sure. perception people look at you the way you look yeah. they judge you they size you up sure but when they know hey man my this shop charges 50 60 bucks you know what like i said maybe then the people that realize you get what you pay for yeah well that's it you know and i think the even right now we're starting to see certain elements of barbering evolve you know i've got you know a couple of my real close barber buddies that are, you know, working in their own, just like myself, you know, mm -hmm. working out of their homes. They've got their chair there um, type of thing, you know, developed a, a kind of a, a home barber studio. And some of them are charging 80 or 100 bucks for, uh, you know, their service in that mm -hmm. in that that space. They're cutting Lakers, but at the same time, you know. Um, the guys that have the cash. That's it, you know. But so the thing, though, is really, like you said, there's a certain element of perception. So 
what I feel barbers really and what, you know, those of us that are, are fortunate enough to, you know, share, whether it's on a, a stage or in a classroom or, you know, whatever, wherever it is, our, our role really, though, is to amplify mm -hmm. those unique details that are inherent to barbering that is different to the stylist or the salon environment. Um, and don't get me wrong. In all of those books that I that I've read and barber manuals and manuscripts from days of old, they all teach barbers how to cut a woman's hair or longer mm -hmm. hair. You know, it's never been like where you you couldn't cut three or four inches of hair. And you mm -hmm. know, I mean, look at Ricky Ricardo. You know, look at the debonair you know uh, poster guys of the forties and fifties. They hair, all had long hair. They had long hair. There was no high and tights. So or razor fades. So, you know, my, you know, and, and the, I, I'm sure as you know, I'm, I'm affiliated with Mitsutani Shears. And, um, you know, so part of the education that I'm bringing um, it, with what I'm doing is to bring back your, your sheer arsenal. Bring back that sheer game. You should be able to, you know, I mean, yeah, of course, you, you, you're not going to do a razor fade with your shears. But at the same time, you should be able to get pretty damn close to it. You and know, that is that is one of the old besides like maybe the guy chipping obsidian and using it as a razor. Yeah. The shear is one of the oldest implements that a barber used. Absolutely. I mean, it was a tool of precision and. Uh, Mizutani, if they want to go ahead and send some shears, we could have uh, Mitch come back here and, and yeah. show the quality because it is that ancient profession of like, you think of a sword, right? Sure. The the the, the crafted, the, the forge, the materials. It's funny that, you say that because on the Mitsutani, uh, you know, the Mitsutani family, we call ourselves swordsmen. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they, well, they produce a shear that's called a Mitsutani sword. But, you know, and, and in there, the that's another thing like, you know, barbers, I feel like, I fear a lot of them, because of their reluctance to really look at the shear as a masterful tool. Um, and don't get me wrong, guys. If the, if you love your shears, I'm not I'm not out here trying to you know divide the the masses. And, no, but you and, have to, you have to put it. You have to put a line in the sand at a certain well, point. You, I think you do. You do because you know I, you know. Look, at the end of the day, if you're a barber and your shears are 50 bucks or less, you know, you probably aren't valuing them very much. I'll be honest with you. And, and you know, so, um, yeah, the in, in the shear game, there is a lot of, of ways that we can evolve as individuals. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you look at the majority of the way that we, we cut hair with shears um, nowadays in, you know, and I've visited plenty of barbershops around the world. It's pretty much the same exact thing. They're not varying out of... of a couple of small details mm -hmm. that you know maybe we learned in barber college or, or whatever it is so you know and that's where again you know if you're looking for variables why are certain stylists charging two three hundred bucks for a haircut or whatever crazy price mm -hmm. they want to put on it um you know you look at them and they look like they're ninjas with their shears well i don't want you to be a ninja and i don't want you to you know put on a show put on it's not about a show you guys it's about being articulate and being able to use them properly to you know uh the individual's texture right obviously you've got a yeah. ton of gentlemen that have gray hair you know and the way that i'm going to approach that is 
because he's got thick, coarse gray hair mm-hmm. and it's going to lay mm-hmm. a certain way. And, you know, when I put in, you know, product, I look at it like this. The haircut should stand alone. The, mm-hmm. the pomade, the product, it should accentuate your, your what you've already done. Basically, yeah. it should be very simple. You shouldn't have to. It, it doesn't create the look. No. And, it's you know, and there how many guys, you know, use a handful of pomade to, you know, <laughs> I'm like, really? Is the cut there, though? Was it was it free? <laughs> right. Exactly. So, you know, the, 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 the thing is, is if we want to evolve, um, what I've learned in my career is that my patrons can appreciate me charging five bucks more a year because I've gone to classes, because I've gone to shows, because I'm bring, I'm using the best shears, the best clippers, and I, I showcase them in that way. I, mm-hmm. I You know, we all take pride in our, our tools. I know you guys do. Um, so, you know, make sure that your patron understands the you know, that, that element of pride in, you know in our tools. Like you mentioned about it's the cut. It's not necessarily the product. And maybe if, maybe if, if, if a barber would actually promote that as far as look, instead of using two cans a month, you're only going to need one can because you don't need to layer it, that shit on your head to hold your hair because I've cut it with the tools that create the precision cut that didn't you know, whatever fracture the hair or split it or what, it gave the clean cut the way it's supposed Absolutely. to. There actually might be even a cost savings where you could invest in paying that $10, $15 more. That's and and I, I mean, when it comes down to the pricing and I know communities are different. Yeah. I've been in small farm, farm, farm town communities where you cannot command not even $20. They're at like nine or $10, but the economy is different. And I understand Absolutely. that. Yeah, for sure. But that you're getting what your value that you don't undersell yourself as far as your skill level you know and it's funny that you say that because i you know my heart goes out to the you know where the demographic really only allows for under twenty dollars for barbers mm. because you know your barbers in those communities are going to have a really a real rough time because rent is still rent you know groceries are still groceries yeah. so you know i feel like in you know areas like los angeles or new york london where you know where the big cities the big cities where barbering's getting this you know this popular culture kind of oh. thing you know barbers are becoming rock stars and, and, and you know, <laughs> in the, the green room <laughs> the, yeah exactly this sort of stuff you know but what is it is it then that you know we walk in like we're rock stars with gold sunglasses and you know <laughs> chains or do you come in there and you tell the rest of the community that hey we've got to evolve for those barbers in those small mm-hmm. pockets in those towns that they're there because when we do and our areas you know because then it just it branches out it yeah, really yeah. does it, it branches out from the bigger communities to the smaller communities and i'm not saying that these guys are going to you know become six-figure barbers overnight type of thing but at the same time you should be able to set your goals and that's the other thing you know i mean barbers don't really set financial goals and like you said in the beginning that we're businessmen and every single barber who's got that license and you know it's in barber college guys and there's a whole entire chapter on us being businessmen Mm -hmm. you know and yeah we were sitting there focusing on our clippers Mm -hmm. when we should have been also going you know hey by the way how are we going to save up for our retirement you know when you when you put your license on the wall it didn't come with a benefits package you know, so we've got to we've got to define exactly each one of those elements. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure as a father yourself, you you know we have to you know we have to have health care for of the our future ch- for our children and all of those different things. And so you know, what are we doing? Are we you know? And I don't know. I'm 42 years old right now, and um, you know, doing 20 haircuts a day 
it sucks. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's money. And I like that. And when I was 20 years old, I couldn't be more thrilled than to have that kind of day in front of me. But when you're 40, you know, in your forties, your, your, your shoulders start hurting, your elbows yeah. start, your wrists start, well, you don't, know. Don't, don't let Frank, Fred or Frank hear you. Cause they'd probably, uh, get, get a, Oh, I'm sure you might, they might get a strop and well, <laughs> put it across. You know, you're probably right about that. But at the end of the day, you know, that's the thing is we, I think the, you know, and I, and I, I love those guys and, and, and utmost respect for, you know, and I, I, I vid- visit my, my local guys in San Pedro, and mm-hmm. there's a ton of them that are, you know, in their 70s and a barber. That's like history. That's like being able to, like, reach back in time. Well, especially, like, you know where I'm mean? at, the, you know, because we're in the harbor, you mm-hmm. know, and so we've got, you know, these barbers have been cutting the longshoremen and, you know, the, the harbor workers for, you know, decades. And, and so that history goes really far back. Plano, and really yeah, good deep, storytellers, deep, too. Deeply entrenched into our community. And, you know, so one of the things I like to do is just go spend, like, a Saturday um you know lunchtime with with the guy up the street that you know so I'll, I'll buy him lunch and you know and he'll tell me his stories and whatever but you know as much as fred may be purveying the the old barber killing it these guys are still <laughs> telling me they wish that in those early days you know yeah. when they were in their 40s and their 50s they had set up proper retirement plans yeah yeah and, you know yeah. and and did certain things a little bit differently you know just so that we did have something more to you know rely upon well, fred, fred got screwed on the taxes yeah uh, i think it was like a two million dollar bill he was a very successful businessman sure he works now because he gives him purpose yeah. he loves it he, you know and i think for that mentorship, because it sounds like what you when you go see these guys, it's almost like you're tapping the Yoda. You know what I mean? Like, totally. tell me, you know, not necessarily like formal. Like, okay, this is this is time I'm coming to learn from you. Yeah, and maybe some of the young guys they need that. You know, I they think do. we all need it, no, and, and do. I don't care whatever creative. If you're if you're in something creative, mentorship, men, whatever it is, uh, film work, uh, writer, yeah. anything that's creative, you need that somebody who's maybe been on a similar path yeah. who maybe has learned some things. And I mean, what you're saying, a lot of the stuff you're saying, um, and honestly, I could say, I don't, I know of quite a few barbers, but I don't hear what you're saying as far as this line of, and it's refreshing. And I'm hoping that man, it, it doesn't matter if you're the town crier and everyone's like, fuck it. They don't want to listen. But if Mr. Mueller had to walk in to today, what would he say? Exactly. What would the forefathers well, I mean, they're PhDs. So, you know, I mean, like they went back to school and they took it to a very serious level. So at the end of the day, I'm, I'm pretty certain that they'd be, you know, also saying to the barbers today that, you know, it, you know, and it's funny you said that, you know, Fred got hit by tax. That's another thing. They didn't learn. You know, I mean, realistically, you know, I, I, how many barbers I hear that don't want to use the current like online booking systems mm-hmm. like Go Panache, whoever, um, because they're afraid that the IRS will see how much work they're doing. They just want cash business, you know. Just cash business. And I understand that too, you know. Yeah. But at the end of the day, sooner or later, that's not going to work out for you, you know. If and you didn't dial that in. The IRS comes running after you, they don't play. And they don't care. They'll come after you till you're dead because they. <laughs> oh, no. And, and no, the, 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 exactly because Fred had several shops, super successful. He retired, I think, at, in his 30s. That's how freaking successful the house on the hill. Yeah. And it was like a mansion he was building. Yeah. That's how successful he was. And all it took was one unsatisfied barber who left the shop, who dropped a dime and on a technicality. And it was only it was he wasn't purposefully screwing the government. And that's where people have to realize is that 
as business, I mean, if you're just doing it for whatever, but as a, if you're doing it for the long term, you better make sure all your T's are crossed. If you got to spend that extra couple hundred dollars on an accountant, or, you know, somebody to actually look at your stuff. This is the way I look at it. If you love barbering, mm-hmm. you love what we do. Okay. Yeah. You like, I mean, and I, there's, there is magic when you, you know, you're cutting hair. It's like you can lose yourself in that, you know, whether you got all this problems at home, girls, you know, bugging, whatever you come in there and it's an escape. It really is. So I understand the, the beauty of what we do. So what I'm saying, if you love barbering, then you got to listen to what we're talking about right now because there's so many guys that are in their 20s uh-huh. right now that are, I mean, they're killing it. I, I've got plenty of guys that are under 30 that are six-figure barbers, you know. Oh, but, yeah. you know, they're, they're not thinking about what it's going to be like when they're in their 40s. You know, they might be thinking about their 30s. Oh, I'm going to be money. I'm a money barber now. Mm-hmm. I've got six figures in my 20s, right? And that's, that's all they're thinking versus what happens when, you know, a couple of things might, you know, health affects you, mm-hmm. you get married, you have children. Now you've got way more liabilities than that one person. So mm-hmm. does that money go three, four, five ways? You know? Or if medical, a medical Me- condition comes up and you're no longer able to. That's it, you know. And, you know, it's funny that you, one thing I wanted to uh, kind of go back to is when you were saying that, you know, obviously, you know, you, you talk to a lot of barbers and that's not necessarily what you're hearing. And so, you know, one thing I, I wanted to say is that, you know, I, I believe that you should, you know, be the best you can be. If you want to battle it out and get your trophies and, and, you know, and that's what you believe defines mm-hmm. the best. Of, like, her- of, like you're talking barber battles. Barber battles. Yeah. Battle it out, you know, <laughs> go, go get your, your trophy, you know, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and that's the thing that there's a lot of barbers that, that think they, you know, they're following the Insta stars and the Instagram barber stars and, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I got a lot of love for, for these guys. But what I want to say is this, is that the, Insta, Insta star, Insta famous. It's, it's kind of like monopoly money, you guys, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and as much as I love some of these guys that are, you know, hundred thousand follower dudes and whatnot, the ones that are really successful are the ones that are thinking about their future. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are, you know, charging the right prices and they're, they're focused. And so don't get caught up with the hype. Because mm-hmm. it's it, it, it's fleeting. It's you know it's momentary. You're going to be at a show and you're going to be at a battle and that's cool. But when you get back down to the the you know the nitty gritty with your patrons, where the money's actually happening on a regular basis, that's where you've got to go back and redefine what are you doing different. You know mm-hmm. what is it that sets you apart as a barber? Is it that you've got mad sheer skill? Is it you you've you know you're never letting a patron walk out of that shop mm-hmm. without you know exactly. the straight razor outline? I mean, there's so many barbers I know don't do that. Oh, I don't use my straight razor for that. I mean, come on, you know, mm-hmm. and or I don't shave or you know. I mean, there's so many things that yeah. we need to hold you know precious to our industry and what we do and then i like i said in the beginning amplify so that's our you know that's my whole message um you know as a voodoo barber in education is that we you know and uh you know we we've developed systems that you know can put your you know clipper skill and and marry it to sheer skill in a a way that um is seamless and, and it should be the way that we approach it so, um, you know, and I think that that's, that's uh, you know, kind of one of what I want to lead towards Barbarella in yeah. the conversation as well is because, you know, people are probably looking at Barbarella and going, wow, that's a really interesting barber event mm-hmm. right there, right? I mean, exactly. I, I think when I first got involved with it, I you know, 
I was like, oh, that's a very compelling one. Well, let me put the clip up of sure. that uh, Pete uh, send over. Hopefully we can hear the audio. Don't know if there's audio on it yet. Let me look. Oh, I don't know. Okay, let's give it a try. It's everywhere I look from Las Vegas to right here. Under your dress, right by the It's creeping in sweetly, it's definitely here. There's nothing more deadly than slowly. So in the clip, the one thing that I saw emphasized is the shears, mm-hmm. right? There's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of shear cutting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's July 16th at the Globe Theater there in, in L.A. Yep. And besides seeing the women cutting, mm. I saw Bertus or Rob from yep. Sh- from Shoreham. Sure. Lean. Mm. Julius Caesar. Jules. Um, so- I don't know. Sophie's don't know in there. Yeah. 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 Um, and so th- this, and I, and I, and I, and I talked to Pete over the phone, we talked about this and I, I have to play devil's advocate on this. Let's do it. Uh, it says, what is it? Female only competition. It is. So, and we know that barbering is not a complete male industry. It's not. We know women are barbers and that's perfectly fine. Sure. But some may say, how can this competition exclude men mm. from competing? Right. I know men are are there are they the judges only or are they uh, educate are you guys going to do like workshops too or um, no so there is so it, it, the whole entire show is a a competition um, and a celebration of the female barber right mm-hmm. which um, so why you know why why do a female only exactly. you know type of thing because you know and I think that what are you know, like I said, in the kind of prior to the leading up to this conversation, the first and foremost um, was education being mm-hmm. the primary, you know, kind of catalyst. But in the, you know, kind of infancy of, of, you know, where we were discussing what was going to be the major push, um, there's been so much controversy lately, you know, with female barbers and female or females, know, even in the damn shop. That's it. Right. We've right. Heard of a major, allow, major what, lawsuit. Right, sure. There was a major lawsuit here Absolutely. in Southern California. And I, you know, I, I, I'm sure, you know, I worked with, with mm-hmm. that brand. So I know, um, you know, instinctively like exactly what it is, you know, and, and I also, you know, when I first became a barber, I, I fancied myself a traditional barber that, you know, looked at it like, no, I, you know, no women in the shop, um, whether, you know, it's your girlfriend or a barber, it's no women in the shop was kind of my, um, original, um, you know, way I looked at barbering. And, but as I started working with more female barbers, you know, and, 
you know, it, it, all of a sudden it just didn't feel right. It felt kind of like, oh, that's kind of wanky a little bit, you know. And and don't get me wrong, I, I I do love tradition, and I do think that you know, if you're over there getting your nose hair trimmed, or you know, you got there's all kinds of different grooming services that men mm-hmm. go through in the barber shop that isn't necessarily attractive for women to be there. So it's not the most comfortable thing. Mm -hmm. And I want to make sure that my patron feels super comfortable. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's the whole thing, you know, and a lot of guys will look at and say, well, it's tradition. Well, okay. But if we really look at the pocket of time that it was tradition, quote unquote, you know, there was a lot of other things happening in the United States at that Mm -hmm. time, segregation Mm -hmm. and, you know, a lot of other things that people could say, well, that's tradition too, that Mm -hmm. we've shed to be modern and, you know, to, you know, look at, at the world in 2017 eyes mm-hmm. and go, well, how are we trying to, you know, become successful? Mm-hmm. And if we're getting caught up with, you know, things like that, that can, you know, really backfire as you saw, you know, yeah. I mean, when you got Gloria Allred coming out to sue you <laughs> uh, publicly yeah, and, and holding press conferences, you know, I mean, on one end, it's, it is bringing the barber industry into mainstream media, but it's not real positive for us. So yeah, they made it look archaic. They did make it look like it's you know this. So realistically, there's new movements that are coming out. You know whether I, I mean I just saw this new barber pole that has pink instead of red, and it's for you know your transformation barber shopper. You know there's all kinds of these different new <laughs> well, things. I, that- I do have to say that one of my <laughs> best haircuts was by a woman. I mean, and she was a barber. Yeah, and she was. I mean, she put. This was at a, and this was before social media. So sure. uh, once she left the shop, it wasn't like now. If you if they leave the shop, you can find them. You know, if she moves to another shop, and she she left that shop, and I was so crushed. I was like, I I literally would call other shops in town yeah. to see if I could find her. So I'm I totally believe that if a person has the skill set, man, you can cut. I I don't. Do you have the license to 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 hold that straight razor to have that pole outside? Gender doesn't matter. Well, you know, and the thing is, is we as barbers are really the ones that are really caught up with it because I'm pretty sure your patron isn't going, nope, he's got to have a penis in order to cut my hair. Sorry. Not not only barber that they, that the women are barbers, but that they are allowed in there because I've been in some shops uh, doing projects and I, I just love that there's women in there. I mean, I've seen some of the most gorgeous. You know how many times I've, I, you know, there's been so many different shows that we've been to where we're presenting to the industry and I'll come off stage and I'll, I'll have a, a female barber that'll come over and tell me that, you know, what we just did was so inspiring mm-hmm. and that they've been a barber for the last 30 years, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, through the barber depression, they've been a barber, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't hang it up and go, you know, flip and become stylists and, you know, and, so there's a lot of female barbers out there that have pride in being barbers. And not only that, you know, again, you know, I'm going to go back to, you know, retro barbering that I've studied. Um, but in those books, it not only it never determined that it was a male that was a barber, but it, um, you know, all of the different unions that we had, uh, mm-hmm. you know, barbering, they, they were barber and cosmetology unions. It wasn't one. Mm-hmm. And you look at even the state boards where we're licensed it, you know, yeah, there's a difference in our license. I've studied, you know, how to mm-hmm. use a straight razor and, you know, that's the major difference, but I've also studied, you know, 
all kinds of different components of male uh, hair loss. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's major thing inside of there that I know stylists don't go through, whether it's, you know, uh, toupee. I know it's modern days and we don't do that as much anymore. But those are things that are um, inherent to our profession. And so it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. You know, you, Mm -hmm. you don't come in with a cosmetology license and use a straight razor in a barbershop. That to me is no, there's definitely a line there. But if you're cutting hair and you're professional and you want to come in, you want to be a better professional and you want to raise the standard of living for professionals that are cutting hair Mm -hmm. for a living, then, you know, I welcome you in with open arms. And I really think that this barber community really needs to start, you know, paying attention to, you know, like we were talking in the beginning, mentors and Mm -hmm. understanding, you know, what is the best way for us to be successful and choose your mentors wisely, guys. Okay. Just because he's a barber for 50 years, but if he's, you know, broke joke, (laughs) I mean, is that the right mentor? You know, I mean, so, you know, that's the thing. I mean, there's a difference between mentor and respect, right? And, you know, I I look at my mentors as guys that are, you know, giving me wisdom for success. Mm. So, you know, I want to look at the guys that are are being successful so female barbers um you know it's there's been plenty of times that i've heard you know this barber is not uh an option because they're a female barber Mm -hmm. for a a demonstration or a team or a a tour but yet they're killing it you know the girl's got it you're looking at her and you're going man this girl can cut hair all around mm-hmm. these, some of these bars. So it doesn't matter. If they do have a, st- a different finesse. They do have a different finesse and a different touch. And, and you know what? Quite approach. honestly, because when you're in the, as a client or yeah. patron, when I'm in the chair, it is, it is the most intimate, continual experience that I have in all my life. Yeah. Being going to, to be, to going to a barbershop, you know, a doctor will touch you, but I don't go every two or three weeks to my doctors yeah. and have them touch me, sure. you know, for services. Sure. But in a barbershop, I'm being touched on yep. a continual basis when I go, and it's it was it's all, it was nice before when I had a female because then it felt natural to feel relaxed, to have the hand massage. Um, you know, <laughs> I know exactly. What you're do you saying. know what I'm yeah. saying? I do. Like yeah. you're, yeah, you're sure. It's like that. <laughs> you're like okay. I can't enjoy that massage too much. Yeah. All right? yeah. I don't know. yeah. Yeah. The three second rule. Man, yeah. Exactly. You know? Exactly. All right. Um, Make sure that's real manly when you do that. All right? <laughs> Let's talk about baseball or football yeah, or yeah, something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna get another tattoo or something. Yeah. You give know? me a shot of whiskey quick. <laughs> well, that might take us somewhere else. Well, yeah. Who's that? Who's that chick that just walked by the window? Uh, you know, and and so that you 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 make a really good point, and so the. The, the whole element of Barbarella was that there's not enough female barbers that are being celebrated in our industry mm-hmm. that are um, being recognized. You know, you were talking about uh, Rob and Bert- or Bertus and, and Liam, you know, Rob um, from Scorum. And, you know, they're over there right now and um, they're shooting a new collection. And they told me that they uh, were trying to get a female to mm-hmm. be in their collection. And these are like star female barbers, mm-hmm. but they were intimidated to to step up and join the leagues of the you know the top ma- ma- you know masculine machismo type of guys um, that are leading the barber industry. And I'm like, you need to take your place up there for these girls that are getting into this industry that are inspired mm-hmm. to cut men's hair only or short hair, and um, you know. And that's the thing is like these girls need also some mentorship, mm-hmm. some you know leaders. And if we're not, um, you know, as a 
industry championing that, then, you know, I mean, I have a daughter, like I told you from the mm-hmm. beginning. So I look at it completely differently. I look at it like, you know, she's got to have, if she wants to be a barber like her daddy, you know, she's got to have the same options, you know. I think that- it's equality. It's about equality. I think everybody should be, everybody should be equal in this regardless, man. And although one thing I did want to bounce off of you, sure. I, 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 I haven't quite figured this part out yet. Um, I interviewed a, an Egyptologist and we were talking about his whole specialty was Egyptian, ancient Egyptian hair. And one of the things he brought up, we were talking about what was the word for barber and what was the symbol, the hieroglyphic. And he says, well, there's, there's two types. There's the Royal hairdressers. Then there's the Royal barber in, at least in in the house of Pharaohs, the barber, his hieroglyph was a razor. And that is what distinguished him different from the Royal hairdresser. The Royal hairdresser did not use a razor and the Royal barber did. My question is, is how could that seven, eight, nine thousand years ago, that understanding still exist to, I, I, today? Not that it's wrong or right. What I'm saying is, how could, because that's what distinguishes, at least here in the state of California, a, a Cosmo and a barber yeah. is the razor. Why, why do you think, how do you, is that like almost like a DNA thing? Like, how did that? transition for thousands of years well you know i mean this is the thing i mean obviously they're you know you go back to ancient egypt and obviously ancient greece all these different eras of of barbering the razor was quite a prominent tool for us not only because we removed hair and shaved with it but we we did some bloodletting and there Mm -hmm. was some other medical elements to us using the razor and so you know the razor is a is a very special tool um and it's you know, I mean, yeah, nowadays you use it like a, you know, like it's an extension of your hand. But realistically, in the beginning, it was also a very um, delicate tool that you needed to show a tremendous amount of respect to. And to this day, I try to use the the best razor um, with the, the absolute sharpest, you know, and, and in that way, I've got to show ultimate respect to the razor, to my patron, to myself, because in if you know, the slightest lapse and, exactly. and there could be a bloodletting. And so the, that there is, it, it, you know, if there's stylists out there listening that are going, yeah, I'm going to start using, you know, it's not um, something that I would ever respect um, you not being educated to use. And so I, I don't think there's a barber out there that would respect a, a, a cosmetologist just picking up and using a razor because they think it's par, part of a haircut. Um, you know, you, it, it takes a, a tremendous amount of education, respect, and also um, repetition. You've got to build muscle mm. memory in order to be, you know, proficient with that tool. So it's not something that you, you know, you're going to pick up and, and just start using. Because everyone's it. skin is different. Absolutely. It's so, I mean, you know. Temperature, it, temperature could affect how oh the skin reacts. Oh my gosh, it's so unique. And, you know, I mean, and again, you know, understanding the way that, you know, uh, temperature like you said can affect the the way that skin the pores the pores um and your pressure is so crucial in in all of that and being able to adjust that because you know just the same amount of pressure in you know a cold environment versus a warm environment Mm -hmm. is going to you know you could get weepers you get those little weep you know it's not like you nicked them necessarily but 
you've got blood coming. Mm-hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, that's the thing is, you know, barbers respect your razor and make sure you amplify that you use that tool that took you a certain amount of time to develop um, your precision skill with and that it's it is what separates us from the stylist and there is that education in there so what does that mean that means you got to invest in that hot lather machine you guys okay and don't get me wrong i know that there's gels that are great out there and things like that but that experience it it, it amplifies that you're using the straight razor in the shop if you're using you know you you know you're using the cheapest razors out there and you look at it as it's kind of a, you know, a necessary evil as your barber job mm-hmm. versus you delight in it because it's the thing that separates you from any other profession mm-hmm. out there. Um, you're probably looking at it the wrong way, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, and I, and I, and, you know, there's barbers out there all day long cracking razors and, and, you know, charging nothing for their razor services or, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. And I can understand that's why you're cracking razors because you didn't charge anything for it, yeah, yeah. you know, but you know, my haircut, I, you know, my razors are a dollar a razor, you know, mm-hmm. that, and that, that's expensive, but it's also grandfathered into the price of the entire haircut yeah, shave yeah, service. Included, yeah. It's included in there. And, you know, and so I, I look at it from that perspective. It's a dollar. Yeah. It can get pricey. You're doing 20 haircuts a day. Sure. I understand that. But at the same time, you know, you, you're using that level of, of, of precision tool. You can tell your, your patron about mm-hmm. that, you know, like this is made a certain way. That's why it's so, you know, expensive, mm-hmm. etc. So, you know, and, and again, I don't know the patron out there that gets under a razor that has a straight razor on their skin mm-hmm. that doesn't have a tremendous amount of respect for what's going on oh, right yeah. then and there. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh yeah. So, you know, it's like in that way, they've already got that respect. But if you don't respect yourself in a way that, you know, puts that on a pedestal that you've got that skill and that you're doing something unique and different, then your patron will never respect it in that way. Yeah. You wouldn't go to a doctor's office and have them with some raggedy old stethoscope, like <laughs> taped up to listen to you. You'd be like a uh, orthometer coming in like- his sweats and his thongs <laughs> to check you out. You're but the, like, but the tools, no, I mean, exactly you know the I mean? whole nine yards. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. If you- it looks all like it's not going to be precise and accurate. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I don't he's got his old so. trusty. His yeah. old, his old trust it's the, all rusty gets a thermometer and he's just like what the fuck is that like you'd no be, dude you'd be intimidated too and trying to get out of there for the cheapest price possible you'd invest in that little yeah. you know that little plastic they put yeah. the thermometer in that disposable like a yeah. razor right yeah, you'd be bringing your own thermometer <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry i tested this on, a, on somebody in the other ways but um so yeah so you know i mean that's the thing is you know we wanted to like you said, you know, I mean, amplify barbers in general because mm-hmm. it is that time, but it's happening. You know, it's, it is, it, there's a lot of growth um, globally. And I think that, you know, once again, America's leading the charge, mm-hmm. just like we did in the fifties the and the forties and in, in barbering and, and Europe, um, you know, fo- is following suit. And, you know, hence why you see guys like Scorum coming up, you know, and, and, you know, I know they've been around for five, years or more but at the same time it's still relatively recent that we're seeing the european influence come back into Mm -hmm. um the united states but so you know we led the charge there and i feel like barbering has grown its legs you've got tons of people inspired to, to become barbers um again and and so there is the opportunity so now it's the time for us to you know kind of shed any of the you know molds that are restraining us as an Mm -hmm. industry and say okay you know what uh, you know 
female barber. It doesn't, I mean, I don't care. Just so, like so you is, said. Is, is the term Barbarella, is that like a combination of Barber and Cinderella? Um, or where did they come out with well, that? Well, you know, there, there's an old movie um, called Barbarella okay. with Jane Fonda from the uh, the 60s, which <laughs> it's a sexy movie. I, mean, uh, I, I recommend checking it out. It's right. kind of a cool, cool flick. Um, you'll see Jane Fonda nude in it and whatever. Can't go but wrong with that. Y- yeah, so, you know, I mean, there, that's, you know, that movie was there that was called Barbarella. Um, and so it kind of added that. Uh, you know, an Ella to it. So I don't think that there was a consideration to add a Cinderella to a barber necessarily. Um, other than, you know, it, it is kind of that like rags to riches sort of, or, you know, uh, Cinderella, what do we think about her? She put in a lot of hard work and eventually she became a, a princess. So, you know, there's that tie can be, can, you know, uh, yeah. Cause she's kind of like the, the neglected, one right she's the neglected sibling right exactly so that's why you know there is that becoming element that we wanted to add to it um that you know so it just kind of made sense in that sort of way um and then the you know the thing that i'm still blown away and i I, you know i talked to my partners in this and i'm going like are are you sure guys is that there's a five thousand dollar cash prize um for one one recipient five thousand dollar cash how many how many contestants uh we've seen over 400 entries um just recently even flown in so i mean uh, come come through so i think that we've seen probably well over 600 total um you know uh competitors we've just announced the five finalists right. so it was through um, video video submission is that what it was uh it was either photo submission um but yeah it was it was submission so okay. you know and it could have been you know we didn't set parameters on it we just said submit your best work so you know some people will take that as i need to hire a photographer and get a you know lighting a bunch of models yeah. and you know expend a ton of money and some people humbly you know took their pictures of the best haircuts behind the chair with their iphone mm. and and, you know, and I think that we took a tremendous amount of consideration on those people that put, you know, uh, effort into it in a way that, you know, showed that they wanted it. Um, but at the same time, you know, didn't necessarily have a big budget. You know, um, that, that was the thing is, we, you know, we wanted to put a hug around um, the industry and this whole element. So they're going to win five, five, the, the top, the, the winner yeah. will win $5,000. Yes. And then they also take a tour of Asia mm-hmm. with a six, Storm, right? a six city tour. And so this is this is the guys. I had them on the magazine in my first issue. Yeah. This is 2013. That's Rob and Bert. Uh, Rob Bertus, goes by Bertus. Bl- yeah, Bloody Butcher and the Bearded Bastard. That's a, right. A Bloody Butcher and the Bearded Bastard. That's yeah. how they looked a little bit in younger days, about <laughs> four years ago. Um, and they've they've been touring around. Matter of fact, I do have a video of that gentleman. That I will play. He sent over. Hey, it's Rob from Scoram, also known as the Bloody Butcher, and I am super excited that I will be making Octet de Présence at the Barbarella event for the very first time. This is your chance to see the best female barbers out there. Uh, it's going to be in LA the 16th of July. See you there. You know what? Now, now that I just heard him say that, it, okay, so it's July 16th in Los Angeles. Um, but I just remembered, and I, I'd have to look at the interview, and I'd probably have to look through his magazine to find it. But f- from what I remember, I think when he started, women weren't allowed in the shop. 
I don't believe they are allowed in the shop even now. Sti- oh, wow. Yeah. I, I know that they, I don't know if they do just for photos or after hours. Yeah. I think I've seen. Photos. Oh, yeah. I think some of the parties and stuff like that. Yeah. But no, I, I'm pretty sure during the so, working so he still, hours he of the still shop. Doesn't. He yeah. still doesn't. Well, you know, I mean, that's the thing is like, and he's a, a judge and he's part of the Barbarella team. Um, we're not telling you what to do in your own shop. Yeah, you know, you can define your parameters. But he's an influencer. Okay. That's a that's a part. He's, I mean, well, he, he has is, what, like, he is an influencer, and and but you know, the thing that you know Rob has shared with me is that you know he started barbering in his barber shop in in a way that you know he didn't know that he was going to be the you know the bloody butcher that he is today you know he wanted to keep the doors open for six months just like the majority of barbers out there is like are we going to be able to pay rent for six months mm-hmm. um you know luckily he you know and, and he'll tell you it was you know luck as well is that you know he, he, it was the right time um because they're the in things, rotterdam rotterdam yeah. netherlands so just i don't know if we've mentioned that yeah yet, there are those of you yeah so they're you know they're in rotterdam um and, you know, in Holland, it was just the right time for barbering to mm-hmm. reemerge. And a lot, it, it's been the right time for barbering to, you know, kind of reamplify and, and retake its territory um, probably for like 20 years, really. But, you know, they, they did it at a time that it was uh, well celebrated in, in um, the Netherlands. So the details of your personal barber shop okay you know that's something that i i encourage every single barber that dreams and has a a, had a dream of owning to define that and and develop it to the you know the fullest degree if you want a retro barber shop that you know has nothing but vintage kokens and and you know everything is is you know almost 100 years old then that's that that's that's for you, and that's exactly the way you should design mm-hmm. it. And you're going to attract a crowd of of patrons that love that environment, that like to go to the retro mm-hmm. vibe and the you know that sort of feel. Yet I know modern barbers that are opening up barber shops in you know Los Angeles today that don't have a vintage item in their shop. Mm-hmm. Um, that are attracting a certain type of new. It's the aesthetics uh, of, of, of where you go in there. It's it's what the design looks because barbering is is it's not just getting the haircut that they experience, but it's the environment in which you get it in, right? It it is, and it, it, you know it really it should be you know like a, you know I'll, I'll talk about another barber friend of mine, uh, Woody Lovell, um, <clears throat> and you know he's got uh you know he had a barber shop in the Grove, um. And I'm sorry that, you know, that's a bougie area, yeah, you know, yeah. where you got, you that, know. There should be a $50 charge. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Yes. Um, so, you know, that's it, you know, and he's charging 65 bucks for, for a haircut in there and he's getting it all day long. And, but it looks very, you know, kind of vintage barbershop mm-hmm. um, kind of vibe. So you don't have to have vintage price or, you know, and, he has female barbers in there as well. Um, so it, it, it's really you define that barbering parameter. Nowhere in history does it say you have to do it this way in order for you to wear your barber stripes authentically. You know, I worked with some of the guys. I mean, the barbers that I worked with at American, I, I assumed when I first started working there that they were a certain type of barber, traditional uh-huh. barber, didn't like girls in the barber shop. No, there was, you know, there was no female barbers when I started working there, even though, you know, Sophie uh, Pock is, has worked there and, and, you know, several female barbers that had worked there in the past. I didn't know that. I went in there, they were all, it was a bunch of blokes. And, um, 
you know, I started becoming good friends with them, though. And they started telling me, you know, these are famous barbers that are telling me that they want to cut women's hair. And how do they do that? On stage, you know, at a a show that, you know, had, you know, we were a company that wouldn't allow that, you know, when I was working with them. Excuse me one second, guys. (coughs) Sorry about that. No worries. Um, And so they... um, kind of dispelled a lot of those myths that I even held to myself that like you go into a traditional shop and all Mm -hmm. the barbers have the same sentiments and it's a, you know, a similar mindset of, of what equals this barbershop. And, you know, as time, you know, kept, kept on as I would work there, I noticed that, you know, there would be a couple of girls that came in for their, you know, for their barber tight haircuts Mm -hmm. and it was never an issue. And next thing I know, I'm talking to him and there's, you know, one of the barbers was gay and I didn't know that, you know, mm-hmm. and I, you know, cause he never came in and said, Oh, I'm gay, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you should know, yeah. right. You know, and that's the sort of thing is none of us, it was just never that kind of thing where it was a question of whether, you know, nobody cared. You just did the best mm-hmm. barbered haircuts you possibly could, you know, and I brought my sheer game barbers wanted to learn from the sheer game you know and and the barbers that were better than me with clippers i learned from them and we would consistently try to you know uh push each other's skill level to the you know and yeah it's a barber shop man mm-hmm. you're gonna come in yeah there's a pretty girl walks up the street we're gonna ring the bell we're gonna be barbers about mm-hmm. it you know what and there's nothing i don't i don't have any um challenges with being a barber and um in any degree and you know yeah i'm still cool with ringing the bell when the you know and 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 and, and, and you know in the back room there being a couple of titty shots in the back and you know what to be honest with you my old lady she likes it too yeah. she does she doesn't think it's sexist she doesn't think that it's like you know something that's against degrading, my, yeah. degrading for my little girl or you know that she welcomes it because to a certain extent you know and i know we're way past you know, uh, gender roles or whatever, but to a certain extent, at least in our family, it works. You know, mm-hmm. my, you know, my girl does things that, that she looks at as her responsibility. And I do things that I look at as my responsibility as a man. And that way we meet in the middle and, mm-hmm. and we really respect each other for being that, that person in that relationship. So I'm not saying that, you know, <clears throat> it's gotta be a, uh, you know, barefoot and pregnant women in the kitchen kind of thing. Um, but, in society and relationships in general, you know, just like the barber makes the gentleman look their best, they're going to go out there, they, they they feel their best, they secure romance, they secure better jobs, they're better men for their families, mm-hmm. okay? You know, they come home and, and they, they're, you know, I mean, I look at my daughter, you know, uh, proud when my hair, and she tells me, Daddy, your haircut looks great, yeah, you know? Yeah. And there's, so there's all that kind of familiar kind of thing that we contribute as well as barbers. And so, you know, you want to be the, you know, the, the barbershop that only caters to, you know, girls that want to be butch and have short, do it. Yeah. That's cool. What I'm going to tell you today, though, is as the voodoo barber and, you know, representative Barbarella is that you need to look at your future and start thinking of how you're going to evolve as a barber. How are you going to retire successfully? And I'll tell you, one of the number one ways is in education because you add something to your palate, to your you know offerings of service to your patron. Your patron can respect that you're charging $5 more this year. Yeah. And every year that you do, you add another $5, then you're inflating. The price yeah. of McDonald's cheeseburgers inflates every year. Okay, yeah. Or maybe not every year, but every other year, whatever it is. Yeah. And we don't bat an eye. 
we don't go, oh man, you know. And we and we know that probably the quality is not improving. It's not improving. But if the barber is improving, which I did find uh, this photo of you, that you were part of this group. Who, what is who is this group? All right. So yeah, that's me with the uh, the band of barbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I was the director of education with Laywright. Mm-hmm. And um, we started a, uh, you know, Donnie Holly started the Band of Barbers as a, uh, a group of kind of celebrated barbers that mm-hmm. were, you know, that were using his pomade. Um, and, you know, his pomade is, is, is extraordinary. It definitely was something that I used uh, when there wasn't any other pomades out there. And so Laywright um, united a lot of barbers because there wasn't a whole lot of products out there. So whether, you know, you, you know whatever kind of barber you considered yourself a lot of them were using laywright and so um we we kind of united this group of um elite educators that um had done some pretty significant things in in their own ways uh-huh. um led the charge of you know kind of taking um they you know their careers to the next level mm-hmm. so whether it's like julius caesar you see in there right now or or mr he'll, fine he'll line, be there he'll be there right yeah absolutely the julius judges. is also you know mitsutani swordsman and he'll be a judge at barbarella but you know i'm looking at this picture right now and i i, I love every single barber in this photo um and uh you know they're all really champions of barbering in their own way and um but yeah you know they're they're most of them in that picture are very humble mm-hmm. guys that um really would you know no matter what level of success they've led in their own careers whether it's kenny duncan in there or um you know jose montajano um each one of those guys has led a legacy in barbering um but again you know they're you wouldn't necessarily know it, you know, um, just by meeting them as a barber because they they are seriously interested in helping you become successful um, and, you know, just being one of the lads, really. And that's the thing I love about barbering is like no matter where we went, whether it was, you know, you know, you're in Europe or, uh, you know, Asia, wherever you are. There isn't really rock stars, okay? You know, I mean, yeah, there's a couple of guys that get up and, you know, dress up a little bit more. Um, but at the end of the day. We're all, we all kind of come from that blue collar mm-hmm. background, you know. I mean, I know a lot of guys that were prison barbers or backyard barbers, and you know, and now are making it somehow mm-hmm. in life. And so, you know. are, are you still affiliated with the band of barbers? Or no, 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 right. As, as of right now, um, I, I left. I left Laywright uh, a couple of months ago, um, and to you know, kind of start my own uh, education thing. I mean, I got a lot of love for each one of these guys, and I look at them as brothers. So, um, I am not currently on the the, the squad with the the Laywright. Mm-hmm. Band of barbers. barbers anymore? No. Yeah, because I know Don. He's very, uh, very outspoken, very opinionated. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, because he's he's uh, he's got a lot of stripes. You know what I mean? On uh, for what he's done in the industry worldwide. Absolutely. Um, you know, and I, I think that you know to to see what he's done with even the band of barbers that you know a lot of people probably even throughout the world now will be influenced by that and start getting. Their own groups. I mean, he he'll probably call them <laughs> imitators or, or whatever, sure. because they're going to try to do this because he did it first, just like you know whatever with with the pomade. You know, the thing about that is, you know, like he, I I remember in the early days, you know really only knowing you know donnie like as yeah. one of the kind of more celebrated barbers in the the revival you know i mean there was a couple of other guys but donnie really was the guy you know that 
really kind of was barbering out there in, in times when, you know, like I was talking in the beginning, the barbering was a bad word. And, you know, you were telling girls that you were, you know, doing something different in order to get a date. So, you know, he's led a legacy that um, really can't be touched and uh, is admired by mm-hmm. by the I mean, all of us should show some respect there as way well. I, I kind of yeah. look at it, um, you know, and he's like you said, he's very outspoken. He's very opinionated um, about ev- sometimes it gets him detail. into trouble. Sometimes it gets him into it, trouble because def- people don't know how to react. People don't, you know, I, I've worked closely with him for a few projects sure. and interviewed him and spent mm-hmm. time with him. Yep. And, and I said it in his documentary, too, and I and I still mean it today is that. You won't ever have to wonder what he's thinking because he says it. If he likes it, doesn't like it, whatever. And I, I think that it, it rugs, it rubs people and it is probably politically correct time that we all live in that we don't really know people's thoughts, what they really feel about something, right? Yeah. If they feel that people are coming in to like parasites into the industry and bleed it dry and they're pimping it out there is, you people know don't, people won't say it but some people will there is that you know right? and there, well there is that and that's something that is um you know i'm wary of but i think most barbers are and some you know until like i told you in the beginning that i was you know come from punk rock roots we had this thing when we were old punk rock skaters that you know corporate rock still sucks and you know <laughs> you're on a big label right right yeah exactly you're, you know you're done and that's it you're done right <laughs> well you know and it's the same sort of thing now you know and and you know, Donnie and Laywright, you know, they could have been acquired by L'Oreal or, you know, mm-hmm. Estee Lauder or one of these big, you know, uh, huge brands mm-hmm. that acquires little upcomers that are making money. And Donnie didn't sell to any of these guys, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, and he still retains the creative direction of, of that brand. So that thing, the thing about that is, you know, and I because I I'm wary of that, too. You know, I don't want our industry to be all of a sudden you know kind of where it's a material Mm -hmm. uh you know you're marketed to in a way that is unauthentic and it does it takes away you know because there is that there's a lot of products that'll be trying to do that you know Mm -hmm. a lot of these new pomades uh you know the whatever unilevers of the of today etc that are be out there and they're trying to catch the fire that is on right now that we're burning i think what's interesting there's some companies and i won't name them the guilty know who they are but they they're not even sold in their own home countries because there's no way they could get that formula approved because of the chemicals they use Mm -hmm. i think that's shocking and that's part of that i feel is if we know that then why doesn't people say it why don't they call them on their shit yeah for the benefit, like you know, I'm I'm on the periphery of barbering. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not. It's not my profession. It's not my sacred history. You know, I'm kind of like not only on the history side. Like I feel as part of documenting, like this interview sure. will exist as long as time is. Yeah, as long as a digital media to to record it. If if some sucker a hundred years from now, that's right, I called you a sucker. A hundred years from now goes into a database. And it just happens to type in the word voodoo or barber or Barbarella. Yeah. This interview will pop up. Just like you, you look back at Mueller stuff in these yeah. work, yeah. these handbooks. Yeah. You look back for references and re- research and history. So this is part of that. Yeah. And they'll go, what was barbering like? They're going to look back because we don't know if Mueller was churching it up or if he was, or if he was, you know, we don't know what the man's mindset was. Right. 
he was afraid he was going to offend people what he really thought or whatever. We don't know. Sure. Just like today and just like anybody else I've interviewed, uh, Eric Webb. Yeah. Who by oh. far was probably, uh, when I got to, that was like, you know, and I know, he, leader, I, yeah. I know, I know I made him probably blush a few times. Yeah. But to me, he was like the, and I titled it, I did a documentary on him, a short film. It was called uh, Life Comes Full Circle because, you know, he's right within stone's throw of Jake's old barbershop. Mm-hmm. And but I called him the most reluctant barber icon because he wants absolute no notoriety. He does you if I tell him, Eric, man, you're like a legend because of the time and you know, oh, you know, don't I, I don't I don't like that. I'm not comfortable. And I think to me that's part of that. If he's still trying to protect it, yeah, protect this this just like your your child. Sure, you're not. You tell your daughter, you know, just don't go run out into the street and be be careful. Yeah. I don't want you to get. Right. And, um, but, but Barbarella, I think what they're, I, I, what I liked about it, cause I'm also careful. Yeah. I'm very careful. I've learned early on. And there's a couple of people I became affiliated with that I wish to God I never would have yeah. ever batted an eye towards them. Sure. Because I gave them credibility. Yeah. I made them credible in an industry because people looked at my work as, authentic and original and i didn't know at the time as i started dealing with them and afterwards i was like fucking douchebag my god i delete can i delete that but oh man but when i saw when i saw I with barbarella those. yeah and then talking into pete and seeing the vision and i was like right on man i mean i know there's the other side which i had to play devil's advocate because there's going to be people listening or watching this going what about the men fucker you yeah, know how could sure. they exclude men they're excluding men yeah so i have to at least throw that out there so well, they can hear i mean yes and no so the thing is is <clears throat> why am i here you know the voodoo barber you know <laughs> who's a man talking to you about barbarella versus a female barber mm-hmm. you know where is that female barber that should be you know like kind of leading or MC, exactly you know the so educators that, that where are they you know i mean and, and don't get me wrong i know sophie's out there and pope and you know a few other you know leaders in female barbering but <clears throat> that's what the barbarella really is is trying to do is like you said gain an element of equality to it but you know give it a, a bit of leadership um you know so that they you know have the same opportunities in that same sort of way and um are able to you know take their their barber you know license to the fullest extent and that's what it is an opportunity i think barbarella what it becomes i mean like i said if, if people want to if they want to argue and, and do this whole like well that's a double standard that's fine. You know, you, everybody's entitled to their opinion. Sure. Otherwise, I look at it. Yeah. But in looking at what Barbarella is, is that opportunity to spotlight. Yeah. To spotlight the women, to show, look, that they can be on the stage, like you were saying earlier about, you know, dealing with Shoram. They could be there, you know, have interaction, that they could realize that there's a support, basically, that you guys are leveling the playing field. Yeah. Whether it's for one moment in time, if it's just July 16th, then the winner goes to Asia. Well, we're actually, you know, we, we, you know, this is the first Barbarella, but we're planning on on doing um, one in Japan as well, like regions. Maybe. Yeah, so a couple of regional ones. Um, and you know, one other component to Barbarella that I haven't mentioned yet um, is the Barbers for Good element that we're we're adding to it. So one thing is, you know, like you said, is men aren't 
com- um, competitors, but we are demonstrating mm-hmm. and we are united in the educational uplifting message. So, you know, mm-hmm. uplift the barber community through education. Um, and so you've got, you know, like uh, Mr. Brothers coming out from Japan, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Potato Head, and, you know, these guys are, um, Daihatsu are, um, are, are going to be um, cutting on stage and demonstrating like in East Meets, East, uh, East meets West mm-hmm. type of barbering, you know, just to see, because these guys are definitely sheer showmen, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, we've got um, uh, just a kind of a hug the community, because like we've always been cornerstones of the community mm-hmm. as barbers. So, you know, you've seen, you know, guys like Mar- Mark Bustos um, that are going out mm-hmm. into the homeless yeah, communities. Yeah. And, um, and you know, and I really got to give him a lot of credit um, for leading that charge of like at least getting that more publicly noticed. But there's a lot of barbers that are doing it. Exactly. And- that, exactly. Because it, it, it is right. And you're because you're part. That's one thing that probably barbers don't understand. Some don't understand is that they're part of the community. So if there's a homeless guy, a wino, or somebody down on their luck, that all of a sudden maybe that, you know, the little little devil on your shoulder that's saying, we got to get $50, says, let's give this guy a free haircut. That's right. Right? That's right. And Because you're you part know, of the community. Well, man. that's it. And, you know, I've seen it myself. You can, like I said from the beginning, that we, we establish self-esteem. And, you know, I've seen guys that have gotten enough self-esteem from getting that free haircut, from somebody taking a a few extra minutes and giving just general human care to another human Mm -hmm. being that's inspired them enough to go out and and put in a couple more job applications and and actually get a job. And that's what we can do is we can actually change lives. And we, you know, we are changing lives every day, but it can be dramatic. Um, And so, you know, there is that, that opportunity um, and so we were showcasing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, we we're working with a couple of different um, organizations that are, you know, donating their Saturdays a couple of times a month. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are doing it 24 seven, but uh, you know, where they're, they're just going out there and cutting hair from the heart. And, um, and, and, and I mean, man, it, it's such a, a fulfilling element. Um, you know, I remember like serving Thanksgiving to, you know, a shelter, a battered woman's shelter once and thinking that was like the end all, Mm -hmm. you know, to feel good, you know, but when you're actually able to see that transformation, it's one thing to give somebody a plate of food and have them say thank you. And you feel good about doing that. But when you see a transformation on somebody who just, you know, I mean, it looked like the world's weight is bearing down on them and you've lifted that off and and now they're smiling and joking and and you see their humanity coming back out. People will look at them because people will look at them differently. A plate of food, nobody can see that inside a human being. And it's a one time. But now, like you were saying earlier, when you look at somebody, you can already size them up. So now maybe if this guy, he maybe he still has ratty clothes, but you know what? Well-groomed. Well-groomed. And you're taken a lot more seriously. So not only is, is Barbarella going to spotlight women and the opportunities and showcase, you're really showcasing their, their abilities. It's a competition. Um, yeah. 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 It's for them a chance to, to shine. Yeah. Uh, but then also highlighting maybe a bigger mission of barbering that it's maybe if they don't deal with the poor, but that they realize that it is the human interaction, one person and one person, yeah. the barber and his patron or the client, people that come into the shop. I've been in shops, man, where I've fucking felt like this is the worst place for anybody to come into because the barbers are too cool for school. They're divas. You know, they are divas 
I'm like, you belong somewhere in another place. And I always feel bad for the patrons because I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm whatever, you know, no people. But for those guys, man, they probably feel like they like something you just stepped on and you want to scrape off your shoe. I hate that. And it, that's a that's the worst feeling ever. Because you, you guys know. are a customer service based industry. You know, I, one of my, you know, and of course I've talked about, you know, the guys in San Pedro that I love. But there's another shop I love to just spend an afternoon just sitting there and just getting the vibe. It's this old town Monrovia mm-hmm. barbershop. And, you know, the barbershop's been there for over 30 years. And, um, you know, all the barbers in there is funny. <laughs> They, they're most of them are over 60. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they were barber college teachers They they were all working together, mm-hmm. teaching a barber college and the barber college went out of business. And the, you know, the, the owner of the shop, Gabriel, mm-hmm. he, he gave them all jobs. And so they, those are the real barbers in my mind. You know, these yeah. guys have been barbers for 40 years or more, some of them. And, you know, and they're still in there, you know, Hawaiian shirt Fridays and do it like they're barbers, man, you know, <laughs> and I love it. I love it. You know, I go in there and I just spend the day with them and they, you know, they'll tell me their stories of old and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, but you know, there's those and, and, you know, barbers who are out there listening to me, you know, they're going, you know, why aren't you in the shop cutting hair? You're over there hanging out with old barbers or whatever. <laughs> hey, listen, man, sometimes getting that inspiration will bring a whole new breath of life to your work. So I encourage you to do it. Go somewhere different than where you're barbering and see barbering in a different way and take that something from it, yeah. whether it's something that says, I don't want to do anything like that because that's not for me or you, I'm going to adapt this. You know, there's a lot to learn. Well, part of being a teacher like yourself yeah. is experiencing these things absolutely, so that you can now put it back into, you know, bite-sized pieces for people now to get from yeah. whether you're on stage or you're in a seminar workshop that now See, they're not going to, you know, how many are going to Monrovia to find these guys? How many are going to San Pedro right. to find the old time? Th- those are the experiences that you're now bringing and transforming for them. And that's the value in that. Yep. That people can't get, you can't get that from a, from a posting, a like, a YouTube video. Yeah. It's that experience. Well, you know, another thing is, is like, you know, a lot of, I hear, you know, I hear that there's a lot of hate in the barber industry, people hating on this, people hating on that. And, you know, yeah, sure, there's people that are compelled to say, I like this haircut or, you know, this is out of style or whatever. But realistically, barbers are lovers, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, that's love, that community vibe that, you know, uh, come in and, and hang out with me. Mm-hmm. That's love that that's coming from is that that whole vibe is like it's coming from a warm place, uh, you know. And that's why you go to the barbershop mm-hmm. is because that group of guys that are in there are warm welcoming guys that you want to shoot the shit with and and laugh and you know and talk about the sport you know whatever it is Mm -hmm. that's that's why we're there and so you know you guys got to remember that you know is the you you know in order to be a successful barber you're a whole lot more of a lover than a hater and so just put people of people people, excuse me yeah 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 yeah, people in general you know and, and so in that that's the thing you guys is we got to remember that, you know, being warm and welcoming and, you know, that's who we are. That's what's going to make us successful. And we got to be that way with our, our, our barbering brethren, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, yeah, of course, don't get me wrong. I, I, I don't see any problem with the barbers that make no apologies and tell it like it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. I really don't. I, I think that's fine because that's them. Yeah. And that's their, they, they wear that legacy. They that that's the you know they walked that road already, right? That's their life, and you know, and so 
I can take it or leave it just like any barber out there can, right? Mm-hmm. And I do take a lot from it. And that's the most important part is what is you gonna, what are you going to take from it that then makes you a be- better barber, more well-rounded, and eventually helps you retire successfully. And that's 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 the message at the end of the day. Why are we barbers? We're barbers because it's a profession, right? Mm-hmm. But it's a lifestyle as lifestyle, well. Lifestyle, yeah. It's a lifestyle. And if you live it, you know, and, and that's who you are, you know, then you've got to think, well, am I going to live this way till I die? Mm-hmm. I hope so because it's who you are, right? So what are you doing to make sure that you're not over there, you know, reminiscing about the days of old when it was when it was cool, but you're actually still cool. You know, you got to keep passing it on, passing it on to others and your influence, and realizing that we're all here for a short period of time in life, and uh, hopefully the impact, and hopefully there'll be a young cat one day that says, you know, I knew this guy. voodoo barber man i love that and, you know no, what i mean or, yeah, I, I, or I couldn't get enough or i just wanted to find out i wanted to tap in because we're all imperfect people we're all gonna do shit and say shit or associate ourselves with people that we regret but um and that, i think that's what i really like about barbarella is that it's making it an environment that's conducive yeah for not just the women because maybe everybody will be inspired by the work of dealing with the less fortunate the poor homeless or whatever that they realize that barbering is bigger than just your chair or the door leading outside your shop. That's right. That you realize that it's part of the community, whether it's your neighborhood, global, if you have the ability. Because you've traveled, right? Absolutely. Barbering has taken you where in the world? All over the world. I mean, I've, <laughs> I mean, I've done demonstrations in Invercargill, which I didn't ever even heard of where before. Where was that? Where was that? <laughs> that's, in, that's on the South Island of New Zealand. Okay, the very, New Zealand. And the reason I brought it up is because it's the last landmass before you go to Antarctica. Okay. So, and I was you going like, why am I barbering here? You know, almost at yeah, the ends of the earth. That's, yeah. that's it, you know, but, and the, you know what the funny thing is in, in bringing that up is no matter where I've gone, we're all trying to do the same mm. thing as much as we might look at you know whatever is on the news and think oh the barbers in baghdad are are this and that you know what them barbers in baghdad and i'm friends with a lot of them they're badass okay mm. they're using their straight razors they love barbering and they're trying to make some money so they can provide some happiness for their families yeah. just like we are you guys so remember that and i mean the other thing that's amazing is no matter where you are in the world when you've got that barber license you've got a job mm. and that's something else to be really you know mindful of is you know they you, i mean there's barbers that set up a chair on the street in india have shears will travel have shears will travel you know have razor will travel and more so even because you know at the end of the that's day separates yeah. yeah that's it you know so project wise what, what do you got going on here in the future well right now we've got um so i'm gonna be launching uh my own education company mm-hmm. which is called subterranean which means underground Mm-hmm. So underground, you know, everything that I've ever thought was cool came from, you know, uh, a real uh, earnest, uh, you know, start somewhere from, you know, probably something that was kind of counterculture. So mm-hmm. when I say underground, you know, I think that like music movements came from the underground, mm-hmm. but a lot of different things that society values. So that's it. It's uh, underground education, which um, really marries um you know, mastery of sheer principles with the, you know, a, an actual educational understanding of what you're doing with your clippers. And I know that a lot of it comes from repetition, you guys, but there's a science there too. And when you understand that science, you're that much more uh, proficient in your in your execution. So you're putting all this research, all these years of knowledge, you're putting it now into 
a, a, a venue where people can can learn through the through a subterranean. That's it, and right? we're and it's not just uh, you know myself, but we're you know we're going to be welcoming in you know the the system of education welcomes any technique is the way that we wrote the 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 system. So you know whether you hard line you know you you, you taper up from a hard line mm-hmm. hard line fading whatever it is you know or you use shears on whatever technique you use. Okay, I don't care. You could be, you know, clippering upside down backwards. The system that we've created educationally gives you a platform to be able to share that in a logical, systematic approach Mm. so that whoever you're trying to teach can then benefit from that education. There's been so many times that I've been to, uh, you know, an edgy show or, you know, whatever. It's like show education um, Mm. versus education. You know, it's like somebody's getting up there and telling a story. So you want to, it sounds like you want to create other teachers not necessarily just students people that are they're just there like with without the knowledge you want to provide empower them empower with the skill set in which they can now be in the shop empower the educator empower the guy that is you know got the young barber coming up to him and going oh my gosh why are you why do you have you know 15 different detachable blades sitting there in that drawer and this guy only uses an adjustable Hmm. and you're working right next to each other in the same barbershop why you know, I want to be able to give each one of those guys a platform to explain their systematic approach mm. because it's valuable, you know, and I learned tremendously by all these different, you know, uh, details, but it was scattered. It really was. It wasn't like there was a logical approach to it. You weren't going, left to figure it out because knowledge, barbering is knowledge based. It is. Knowledge of hair, instruments. But the, and the, but the thing that I've found throughout all my travels and education and barbering is that barbers are unique. And you might go to, you know, Atlanta and get in with an Atlanta barbershop and the way that they're approaching their haircuts is unique to that shop. And you're yeah. going like, huh? How come they're doing it? But similar results, but they've got a unique approach. Hmm. But there is a logical step to it. And so that's what we, we really tried to do was give a, you know, an openness so that anybody can explain their platform mm-hmm. and somebody can take away from that and go, OK, I learned this A through Z, whatever it might be. These are the actual tangible, mm-hmm. te- you know, versus I got inspired because some guy drank a bottle of whiskey on stage and lit, you know, some hair on fire with a candle. <laughs> what did that do for me? I can't bring that back to the bar- barbershop, right? Exactly. So, you know, what is it that you're actually able to take out? You know, it's not part of our culture, education, it, yeah. it, or, or advanced education, or going for uh, education or shows. You know, hair shows have been, you know, really a, a cosmetologist game. And to be honest with you, when you're dressing up like a unicorn and putting rainbows in your, I, I don't, that's not for me. That's not, yeah. the, you know, none of the barbers I know really gain from, you know, a guy wearing yeah. a Speedo and airbrushed abs. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, but when you but when I've seen barbers that get up there and do a haircut on, you know, a guy that's got double calyx mm-hmm. and then explain what their approach is and why they chose that approach based off directional hair tension, etc. Then I leave 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 that much richer. Yeah. That's what I want to make sure every barber education experience exists to be. It's not about a battle, you guys, as much as it's fun. And, you know, that does 
provide a spirit of competitiveness which does you know drive you to be better but realistically it doesn't give you anything tangible tomorrow i know plenty of barbers that have 10 trophies sitting behind their barber chair and aren't they're still charging you know under 20 bucks for a haircut so it's more so about empowering each other and understanding the different ways that each barber works uniquely and then broadening your palette and saying what can i take from each one of those barbers i learned from whether it was eric webb or donnie holly or you know giants in the industry have left legacies for us to pick apart and go what can i steal mm-hmm. from that or borrow from it you know and, and 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 hey by the way if you're borrowing something from donnie holly make sure you give him credit okay <laughs> you guys <laughs> why is that uh, i don't know he might not be so cool with you not giving him the proper credit but you know and he deserves credit you know and i'll, I'll give him a lot of credit for my my you know Donnie is responsible for a lot of who I am as a barber. So, you know, there is that. So, but at the same time, you know, gaining something from each of them and or whoever to develop who you are is important. Develop who you are as a barber. What you provide is a a service. Make sure you use your razor. Okay. I mean, I can't, you know, put enough emphasis on on that razor because it's what separates us. And Mm. it's what really defines our license is that 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 tool right there so um yeah and that's my message you guys you know barbarella is uh july 16th um get your tickets now it's starting to you know it's an amazing theater in fact uh, the globe theater which i didn't talk about at all um was one of the first theaters in the entertainment industry and was it recently renovated it is and it is stunning i mean like the we were just at the venue last week and um like we're going to hold sub training education classes actually in their I basement what they, what they call those theaters something they call them something well they're something palaces the old yeah, theaters from like the 20s yeah, and 30s the movie palaces I, I, forgot what I, I agree i agree I, yeah there is i mean there's walking tours of them because that entire street right there is all those old theaters yeah. um which you know, I'm from here. I was born in Redondo yeah. Beach, and you know, I've been I've been born and raised in Los Angeles. So mm. anything that's reviving what I hold as part of my home is yeah. I'm really passionate about it. And this theater is uh, technologically a marvel, but uh, you know, it, it's going to exceed your expectation in every way, you guys. So come out. Um, we've got a lot of uh, really amazing, uh, you know details that that i'll kind of hold back so that you can come out and experience them but i guarantee you if you're a barber and you come out to barbarella male female whatever faction i don't care you're going to gain something from it because the message is it's united in education and uplifting the barber community and they're bringing you know the 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 talent they're bringing in um they're going to be here stateside, so it's going to be people that you know have wanted to see them, right? Yeah, that they're like, One, oh, I get to, I get to now go see them and, and and hopefully get a chance to even just say hello or get a picture or whatever. One of the guys that I'm were really privileged to have just added to the the roster, and every single guy on the the Barbarella roster, female, every person um, is is a star in their own right. I feel like, um, but we just added uh, Kevin Kevin Luchman from. Um, the UK, who was, uh, you know, if you Google him, he's he's uh, renowned as the, you know, most influential men's uh, men's barber there is in the world today. Um, and of course, that's you know from the UK they say that. Yeah. But you know, at the same time, I know Kevin well, um, and he is a, a dynamite artist, and he's also purveying a you know next level education. This is the path to success as a barber type of sentiments. And uh, you know, like I said before, I know it's not part of our culture to you know always be entrenched in in education. 
but the the you know the playing field is getting thick again you guys there's a lot of barbers a lot of barber shops opening up you know i mean it's in europe it's in the united states it's in asia you drive down the streets and you see barber shops popping up on every corner again so what are you doing let me ask you each what are you doing different to set yourself apart so that your patron wants to come to you instead of me Hmm. that's what you really gotta you know because I'm sharpening my razor every day, you guys. So, you know, let's keep it going. Let's keep the... Because as, as it sounds like you're a student of history, one thing that we all know from history is that things repeat themselves. That's right. And right now, this great barber boom may not last forever. Barbers it's, will it's, always it, exist. It's not... The, the boom, the like kind of revival, um, it's not going to last. But barbers will last. No, like barbers will always be here. But that's the one question that every barber has to ask themselves. What will happen when the bubble bursts? That's it. What is going to happen to my shop? What am I going to, what have I built? Yeah. Is it a house on sand? Because yeah. then guess what? Go good luck trying to be a CPA or flip burgers with that barber tattoo or sheer tattoo on your face. And there's nothing wrong, but they have, that's part of the future that they have to go. Did we learn from what's happened in the past? That's right. God forbid grunge, take a massive comeback and everyone all of a sudden doesn't want well, you know, but that's, you know, that you, you make a, a very relevant point is, and that's part of like our education system is the, you know, if you, if you're coming into the barbershop mm-hmm. and you want a haircut, should you be turned away for any reason? <laughs> that's turning away money, right? Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, you know, barbers talk about the, you know, Beatles killing the barber, you know, or did the barber kill the barber by not learning how to cut the Beatles haircut? Mm-hmm. It's still a men's haircut. You can mm-hmm. still use a straight razor around the edge. You can still use your, you know, taper the sideburn. And, you know, I mean, there's still, or is it that you didn't gain the skill set to, you know, evolve, adjust, you know, and that's the, that's the reality of it. It's not the, you know, it's the barbers were resistant to, or may, and don't get me wrong, it may not have been there, the avenue of, you know, how do I learn how to do that type of haircut? You know, I mean, you know how many barbers I know that added a, a Bieber to their poster, hmm. you know, and I'm like, a Bieber haircut? That's not a very barbershop po- uh, haircut, hmm. but they're at, because they don't want to turn business away and how many little boys and their mom, well, how many little yeah, boys' moms it, wanted that haircut, really? Because in, in the end, that 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 fad yeah. will go and come and go. It'll come and go. Right. It'll come and go. And what but was your service that you created in the environment for the people that represent money? You know, guys that have long hair, you know, I mean, I see it all the time where they could be that much more polished if they'd went to the barbershop to get oh. dialed in for that, you know, that grow out or whatever it is. Oh. They look terrible. You know, the yeah. necklines are all grown in like monkeys. So I, I feel like, you know, if you can, if you're licensed to cut hair, yeah, we're experts in short hair. I mean, that's inherent to, uh, of being a barber. But, you know, knowing the odd, you know, one or two longer men's haircuts uh, that you do once every three months? Is that, is, I mean, are, are, are your stripes, you know, starting to disappear? Uh, or are they actually growing? Because uh, you're that, you know, you're that much more savvy. And now you've got patrons from every kind of caliber that's, again, providing that retirement. Maybe they should look at that poll. The poll keeps spinning keeps on going and it keeps moving mm. and maybe in your skill set should do the same yeah I, I, that's it you know and i i really like that <laughs> i'm gonna take that away yeah. from you just give I'm, me credit I'm, on that I'm one stealing you, you better stealing give me credit because if not I'm, I'm gonna go crazy like somebody we both <laughs> you know. got straight razors <laughs> like fucking voodoo barber i said that first i'm just kidding i don't trip like that <laughs>
<laughs> Call you out on stage. That's it. Oh, <laughs> have you heard about that? Have you? <laughs> you cared share? Yeah. Well, no, no. That, that, that's one I'll leave. I'll, I'll leave we'll uh, talk for off the history Mike. books. We'll talk yeah, off I'll leave that one well, for the history the, books. The, the history books only in stories that are told uh, away from the camera. That's the hard part. Is yeah. I've I've um, I've heard enough about it, but um, you sure. I think for the people that were there firsthand, it would be nice for them to say that way. It is documented for history's sake. It is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Because there's nothing. There's nothing. That man. At the end of the day. You have to look at yourself in the mirror. I have to look at my... We have to live with ourselves. That's right. And in the interactions, I mean, it goes back to that simple human being feeling of how we treat people and what we do. And maybe speaking the truth sometimes hurts people's feelings. But if I can look at myself in the mirror and go, I'm okay with myself. You know, in the end of the day, whether I hurt someone's feelings because I spoke the truth, you know, which like I said, I would like uh, somebody because, you know... I'll say this though, you know, realistically... You know, our parents always teach us to kind of be like sheep. And I mean, not all of our parents. Some some of our parents teach us to shine. But most of us were like kind of preconditioned from society to fall in line, you know, get get a job that was prescribed within your realm of professions and, and you know, get your family and, and pay your taxes. And, and that's your, your life. We weren't taught to step outside and, and be outspoken independent independent to be abstract thinkers to go against the grain Mm -hmm. to say you know what screw that that's not for me i'm gonna risk to be a risk taker and those of us that they do take a risk every now and again or or live by that you know those are the people that are going to be remembered and you know albert einstein or you know thomas edison the the most famous people they weren't always celebrated in their heydays either you know they were hated too because yeah, they, they were took a hell of a lot of risk. They were compelling or repelling, depending on which position. So, you, you so, took. so, do you care to share then what what uh, what we both were referencing? Well, no, I don't think I do. Actually, okay. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> we want to talk about that. Yeah, later. we'll talk later. Yeah. Um, all right. So, is there anything else you want to talk about? Uh, Barbarella's July sixteenth. Um, they're on Instagram at I believe at the Barbarella. Yep. Um, you contact them, and I think Pete is going to give me some tickets to give away. Absolutely. So I'm going to have some contests coming up. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to share? We got your education system. Yeah, subterranean education will be coming your way uh, You know, shortly. We're going to be having our first class uh, shortly after the Barbarella. It'll be associated uh, with Mitsutani Shears um, as well, so fueled by Mitsutani. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, if you're interested in something like that as an educator, um, let's talk. How could they could get in contact with you through... Instagram, the underscore voodoo underscore barber. Um, just direct message me mm-hmm. um, through Instagram and, uh, and yeah, we'll We'll get it started through there. Man, it's been an awesome time, brother. I hey, I really it, appreciate it as well. This is a really, really cool uh, you know, experience being on the 13th floor penthouse here <laughs> in, in Whittier. And, uh, yeah, and Whittier's tallest building, man. Hey, man, it's amazing. If you're going to go big or go home, right? That's it. That's it. All right. So that'll be all for this episode of The Lodgecast. Make sure you check us out at gentlemansavenue.com forward slash The Lodgecast on Instagram at Lodgecast, Twitter at The Lodgecast. So until next time, be well, my friends. Thank you.